Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Hello, welcome to Formation Fridays. It is so good to be with you one more time. Uh, I want to share with you the sixth characteristic of a multiplying disciple. Would you pray with me and just ask the Holy Spirit to lead this time? Dear God, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Thank you for what you're about to do in our hearts. I ask you, God, that you would transform us, that you would turn us into those people, Lord, that would represent you properly on this earth. Dear God, I ask you, please remove anything of me and let it be you speaking into our lives. We ask you this in your precious name. Amen. According to the dictionary or to dictionary.com, greatness is the following. Usually or comparatively or compared to large in size or dimension, large in number, numerous, unusual or considerable in degree, power, intensity. Another part says a person who has achieved importance or distinction. It doesn't say anything about service. It doesn't say anything about a servant's heart. Yet when I read the scripture, greatness is not how much you are served or how great you are and how many people are around you thinking you're great. It's actually how well you serve. Greatness in the scripture is measured by how you serve. The Bible says the following in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, among many other verses that echo the same heart. But it shall not be this way among you, Jesus said. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, meaning the Son of God, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, service in the eyes of God determines how great you will be in this world. You are loved, you are cared for, you are paid for. But how great you are is not determined by how smart, how powerful how important you think yourself to be, but how much you serve. You see, the greatest, most incredible human being to ever walk this earth is and was Jesus Christ. And he became the servant of all. The Bible says that he didn't consider equality. He didn't consider his godness, the equality with the Godhead. Instead, he made himself a servant. He made himself a human being to come to live among us and to die for us. I wrote something that I feel echoes the heart of the Word of God, and this is how I see it and I feel it. Service will put you in places you could never be. Service will bring opportunities you could never get. Service will give you friendships you could never deserve. Service will place you in positions you could never achieve. And service will offer you a life you could only dream of. Service is so powerful. Service is at the core of the heart of God. So much so, I have seen it in my own life that 
as, as I serve, I see God pour out his grace and pour out his love. I'll never forget about 14 years ago, I was in Colombia. I went to this conference where Tommy Tenney was preaching. If you don't know anything about Tommy Tenney, he's the guy that wrote uh, God Chasers. An incredible book. Not only that, he's a man who's used throughout the world. And I remember sitting in the third ring on that Coliseum and listening to this man talk about service. Now, this is a huge conference filled with leaders, people coming from all over the world. And when he began to speak about service, I could see that some people looked like they had already heard the message. The people that I went with certainly were great leaders, but to be very honest with you, they weren't so interested in that talk until he shared the following story. He said that when he was a child, he was about six or seven years old. He figured something out about service. See, his father was a pastor and he was a great counselor. So when he was six or seven years old, he began to listen to his father. And he always wanted to learn and he wanted to hear the issues of the ministry. He wanted to know what was going on in people's lives. Of course, you could call it gossip. This is a six, seven-year-old kid with a lot of interest about people's lives. So he wanted to learn. He wanted to see. He wanted to be in the in-group, right? It's funny because every time the conversation began and began to get good, he would get kicked out of the room and said, sorry, Tommy, you need to go upstairs. You need to go to your room. Dad, but, uh, but no, 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 I'm sorry. This is a conversation for the adults. It's a conversation for bigger people, you're still too small. One day you'll get big enough and you may be able to listen to these things. And listen, Tommy was so excited about hearing these things that he couldn't help it. He wanted to hear, so he would put his ear to the ground. He said it was a wooden floor so he can hear the echoes or to the wall and he could hear the echoes, but it wasn't good enough. One day, however, after many of these times that he got kicked out, he figured something out. He got his little shoe box, his little uh, shoe cleaning kit in a little box, right? And he put it all together with a little brush and the little little paste, you know, and the, and, the, and the little rag. And so he went downstairs with a little shoe cleaning box and he, he started cleaning the shoes of those people that would come in. And so he figured something. If I clean the shoes of the guests, by the time the good conversation begins, I would be halfway done because I'd be doing such a good job. And so his father would tell him, Tony, Tommy, you need to go upstairs. And Tommy would just point out his shoebox and say, Dad, I'm not done yet. And so his dad would say, okay, hurry up, fine, uh, finish it. And then afterwards, just go upstairs. But meanwhile, this good conversation would keep on going. So little Tommy would get to hear the conversation of the big guys, of the big people. See, the seven-year-old kid figured something out. If I could serve, and if I could serve well, I could be in places that I'm not big enough to be just yet. And that's exactly what service will do. It'll put you in places that you're not big enough to be just yet. Because if we learn how to serve like God called us to serve, He is the one that will make sure that you are honored. If you humble yourself before the sight of God, He will lift you up. It's so crazy how much in this world self-service happens and not service to the Lord or service to each other. Now I wish I could tell you I'm only talking about the world outside the church, but... It pains me to say, but also in the church, we must learn to serve like God served. We must learn that being a servant isn't something you try. Being a servant is something you become. If you try to serve, I'm sorry to tell you, you will never, ever do it right. It's something you must embrace. It's something you must accept. 
This is not about learning or information. It's about impartation. It's about begging to God to transform your heart from going to a person that loves to be served and is the last one to get there to the first person to say, yes, I'll go. Dear God, take me. Choose me. Send me. I will go. And I'm not talking about to the big things, the major things, the Africa trips. I'm not talking about the podium. I'm talking about everything that God has called you to do. The Bible says that that which you do to the least of this, you have done to me. I want to get into this a little more, but before I get there, there's something that I really want you to grab. Something that I want you to understand. That service is something that came with the cross. Jesus embraced the cross. He grabbed onto the cross. And that cross meant something. That cross meant that he was to die for you and for me. He served us to the end. His drops of blood still serve us. His life, his death, everything about him was about service. You ever heard the expression servant leadership? It is the best type of leadership. There's positional leadership. There's relational leadership. There's this something leadership. It's called servant leadership. Husbands, do you want to know how to be a good leader in your house? Serve. You will become a servant leader. Wives, do you want to know how to have a man fall in love with you for the rest of your life and fall in love with you again and again? It's called servant leadership. Leaders of CFF, do you know how to be a good, genuine leader? It's called servant leadership. Here's the crazy thing about servant leadership is that servanthood has to come before leadership. Servant first, leader second. Now this is easier said than done. See, when you are a servant leader, it exposes the lack of service in other people and it will not always make you popular. Your service will expose laziness in others. But in the same way, when you're being lazy, when you're not being a servant, it will be exposed through other people's service. It is easier to say and make excuses on why you cannot serve. If you're around other people that serve naturally, you'll receive something, confrontation. And if you take it well, you will receive impartation. Let me repeat that again, please. If you take it well, confrontation will lead you to impartation. But some people, when they're confronted by the truth of the lack of a spirit of service, they'll begin to make excuses. They'll begin to get upset. They'll begin to say why they can't be that way. But the truth of the matter is this, that service is not something you try. It's something you become. A servant here is a servant there, a servant everywhere. We have to learn to serve and we have to learn to become servants. A person with a genuine heart of service has certain characteristics, has certain things about them. A person with a heart of service is great. A person that truly has a heart of service is truly great. So I want you to write this down. G-R-E-A-T. Great. G-R-E-A-T. Great. I don't usually work like this in my sermons. I don't usually do acronyms. But the Lord began to show me this acronym. And I believe that it's for you and it's for me. 
The word great spells, right? It's spelled with G-R-E-A-T. And I believe that each one of these words can help us figure something out about ourselves and about what characteristics a genuine heart of service has. The first thing that a heart of service has, how do you know you are great in the sight of God? How do you know you are a servant in the sight of God? The first thing is that G for great, G, it means that you are generous, sacrificial and giving. G is generous. Everyone who serves must be generous, must be giving. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 11 says, Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above all name so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says, but he emptied himself. A generous spirit is something that we must make sure we have if we are to have a servant's heart. Are you giving with your time? Are you sacrificial with your things? Are you generous with your words? Are you generous towards people that could never pay you back? Generosity is the first true trait of a servant's heart. Second letter is R. R is responsiveness. The first one, are you generous? The second one, do you respond? Do you respond to the need of others? How many times have you sent a text message to your friends or co-servants? Hey guys, I am moving. Does anybody have one hour they can spare? Or, hey guys, I need a truck. And all the truck people sign out. Hey guys, can somebody help? And no one is available. My question would be, if that was a girl you were chasing, would you be available? If that was a guy you really wanted, would you be available? And I know the single people think I'm only talking to them. How about you married people? How about if they ask you, can you help me move? And to that, whatever you could find from all my things, is these are yours. <laughs> Meaning there's something in it. Responsiveness should not depend on the payment. Responsiveness should depend on the heart. We used to have a saying back when I began discipleship and I began to be formed. See, I didn't begin formation when I became a Christian. I wish it happened that way. I began formation not too long ago. I would say about 15, 16 years ago. Listen, we used to have a saying back then it was in Spanish and then I translated it. It says here, those that don't serve, serve no purpose. Man, that's a hard saying, isn't it? That's why we stopped saying it. In Spanish, we used to say, el que no sirve, no sirve. El que no sirve, no sirve. Tell the person next to you. I'm just kidding. He that has no service, serves no purpose. If you don't serve, you serve no purpose. I know it sounds rough, 
Now, man, I think that's very close to the truth. We want everything that comes with the community. We just want to serve it. We want everything that comes with the gospel. We just don't want to serve God. Or we want the benefits of marriage. We just don't want to serve our spouse. We want the benefits of friendship, but we don't want to show ourselves a friend. Isn't it crazy how we think that without that responsiveness, somehow, some way, if you look busy enough, people are going to assume you meant well. Your track record will begin to show very quickly. I'm going to expose you for just a moment, and I pray that you are alone and not next to somebody who can corroborate what I'm about to say. But here's the truth. If you don't serve one time because you were busy, that makes you a busy person, right? Twice makes you a busy person. Three, four times, that makes you a careless person. If you keep on going that direction, it makes you a person that doesn't only not care, but a person that only cares about themselves. It's crazy how much I see this. Godly looking people, amazingly beautiful people who have so many great strengths in their lives. But this one area stops them from truly growing in their lives. From people truly being able to pour and God being able to trust you with more. Do you serve? Do you serve? Do you serve the least? Do you serve? Are you a person who is responsive or do you turn your deaf ear? You know what I love about WhatsApp? That I can see who read the message. You know what I love about God? That God knows who read every message. Even to those that figured out how not to show their name when the red section. You know how, how I know that? Because God knows what you're thinking even now. Are you somebody who responds to the service of others? Yes, pastor. Yes. You know the craziest thing? Is that usually the people that serve the least, they think they serve the most. So I'm going to do a quick test right now. This month, this month, how many hours have you invested into physically serving people that are not in your immediate family? Now, why did I say that? Because it's easy to serve those in your immediate family sometimes, right? Even that is hard sometimes for some people. But how much do you spend time investing into serving people that are not immediately able to respond to you? Or to tell you thank you or to give you something? Have you spent time in helping other people that may never pay you anything, never give you anything? Which leads me to the next letter. The first is responsiveness. How quick you respond. How attentive you are to the need of others. Are you the one that says yes? Or are you the one that kind of looks away when somebody asks a question? Do you rather not look? Now, of course, I know life happens. And I'm not saying that everyone all the time should quit their jobs just because one person has a pop tire. What I am telling you is that you ought to respond. Even if you can't, you ought to say, hey, I wish I could, but this is what's happening. Don't look like an irresponsive person. You know what irresponsive people are? Irresponsible people. They're not able to respond. I just ask you to do one thing. One thing only. If you are to grow in this area of your life is to do this. When a need is there, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Truly acknowledge it. I'm speaking to everybody at CFF. Everyone who's listening to my voice. Acknowledge the need of others. When that need is acknowledged, whether you can or cannot risk, cannot answer to the need, then at least people know you've acknowledged it. At least people know you cared enough to respond. I'm going to repeat that again, so make sure you get it right. When somebody has a need, acknowledge it. If it doesn't, look, there are some people that I know for a fact that could have helped some people, but didn't do it. But then later they expect someone else to help. And that is something so weird to me. 
You know why? Because it lets people believe. I mean, it lets you believe that you are more important. That you somehow need to be served and not to serve others. And pastor's going to town right now, huh? Let me go to the next one. Expect. That's the E. G is for generous. R is for responsive. E is for expect. If you are to truly be a servant, you are to expect nothing in return. Oh, come on now. Do you expect to be recognized or praised for the service that you rendered? I'm going to be very honest with you. Most of the time, I wish I could say, yes, no, past, no, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm right on it. I don't expect anything. But I have to constantly check my emotions, constantly check my thoughts. Sometimes the Lord will confront me in saying, do you really do this for the right reason? Do you really do this because it's the right thing, it's the right heart? I'm talking about my own marriage. I'm talking about me doing something out of love, not out of the expectation of payment. Not to be recognized. Are you someone who serves and then when you serve, you get mad if somebody didn't realize that you served? Are you someone who expects payment in the form of love or special privileges or a certain kind of appreciation? Do you expect somebody else to scratch your back when you have helped someone? Meaning, this is a favor and I expect payment. Not now, down the road. That's called extortion and it's wrong in every way you see it. I don't know about you, but I had to learn many, many things that I never thought I would learn simply because I got tired of people having the wrong attitude while they serve, which is the letter A. Attitude. Do you have the wrong attitude when you serve? See how we're moving along? First is G, generous. Second one, expect A, attitude. Do you things, do you do things for people and then have a bad attitude while you're doing it. Let's take it a step further. Do you do things for the Lord and then give God an attitude? Or give people an attitude? I learned how to do many things that I never thought I'd do. I learned how to do things with my hands. I learned how to do things in the world. Because I got tired of seeing the attitude of people that would serve. And I said, you know what? I would ten times rather do it myself than have someone give me an attitude for it. And so I learned how to do so many different things. Now, before you feel I'm a victim to the country, I learned so many things which I now use to be able to serve. Can I tell you something? When your attitude is wrong, when your attitude is not the right attitude, here's what you're doing. You are writing something with your hand and erasing it with your elbow. You're doing a good deed, but your attitude is erasing all your good deeds. Everything that you, I believe... That God could have seen as great. Your attitude is spitting on it and saying, it's not really. Even when others have a bad attitude, we have to keep our attitude right because we serve. I'm going to give you a quick, simple, beautiful way of maintaining a good attitude. Even if those that you're serving don't have a good attitude. It's by understanding that you are a servant of God more than a servant of people. The only way that I have learned to remain 
with a pure heart or a clean heart in service is by having the understanding that at the end of the day, my service is to my Lord, my service is to my King, and He sees my actions and He sees my attitudes. In spite of everything that anyone could ever do or say, my God knows me and my God sees me. See, when you serve God, even if you're unappreciated or underappreciated or the attitudes around you are not well, you are able to check your own attitude and realize, hey, I serve God, not them. So I can serve them because I'm serving God. You continue to serve disciples who sometimes, honestly, why can you continue to serve them? Because at the end of the day, it's God who's your boss. It's God who's right there with you. It's God who knows you, who sees you, who encourages you. When we serve God, I want to tell you this. To me, it is the ultimate, the most beautiful job you will ever have. I tell Elijah that serving God has the best benefits, the best retirement plan. And the boss whom I serve is the most understanding, giving, and kind boss you could ever have. Why? Because he makes you a partner without ever deserving it. You already are working with God. So have joy when you serve the Lord. Have joy when you do the small things, the tiny things. Now I'm not only talking about church service. I'm talking about when you serve your family, you're serving God. When you pick up something, you're serving God. Every gas tank that you filled up and you used it for his service, take joy in that. Take pride in the simple fact that you're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who deserves all service. I want to tell you a quick story. And I'm going to read it because I don't want to butcher it. John Kenneth Galbraith, in his autobiography, A Life in Our Times, illustrates the devotion of Emily Gloria Wilson, his family's housekeeper. It had been a weary day, and I asked Emily to hold all telephone calls while I had a nap. Shortly thereafter, the phone rang. Lyndon Johnson was calling from the White House. Get me King Gobrick. Galbraith, get me King Galbraith. This is Lyndon Johnson. He's asleep, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. She replied, no, Mr. President. I work for him, not for you. When I called the president back, he could scarcely control his applause. His pleasure, I mean. He could scarcely control his pressure. His pleasure. The president said, tell that woman I want her here in the White House working for me. See, this man understood the value of someone who is faithful and who knows who she serves. Isn't it crazy that this woman was able to say no to the pressure of the world and the president even because she understood my service is not to you. It's to the one who has hired me. You know, the beautiful thing about serving God is this. That even if everyone else is displeased, you can continue to serve because he is pleased. I was telling somebody the other day how many times a week or at least every other week someone is cussing me out or saying something bad or threatening. And I learned to do something. Honestly, I, I've learned to say, God, you know me. You know my life. You know my heart. You know my intentions. There will always be people. Uh, as, it, as someone sent, them, sent me a text message, hate is going to hate, hate. <laughs> There's always going to be somebody that's not going to be in agreement with what you're doing because it either exposes their lack of service because it makes them realize that they also can and they're not doing it or simply 
because they cannot believe that someone would want to do something not to get payment, but rather to please God. Listen, if you're going to learn to serve with a servant's heart, a genuine servant's heart, you have to learn to do it with the right attitude. Because attitude determines your altitude. The last word, the last letter is T. So we went to G, right? Great. G is generous. R is responsive. E is expects nothing in return, right? A is an attitude or a good attitude. And T is for tirelessness. This may be my favorite out of all of them. Because some serve only when it is convenient. Some serve only when they have plenty. Some serve only until they feel like it. But there are some people that serve until the job is done. There are some people that serve until things finally end. Some people quit too quick. Some people give up so fast. Some people are too tired to be servants. And I would dare to tell you this. If being tired was a valid reason to stop serving, then Jesus would have never died for you. If being tired was a valid reason to opt out, then Jesus would have quit way too soon. And he would have had... You and I would be not... We wouldn't have salvation. wouldn't have hope. But Christ endured till the end. 39 lashes, a crown of thorns, beaten... His beard ripped off, bloody. His blood was spread throughout the, the streets. He was so tired and he never quit. He didn't stop. See, Jesus understood that he was serving because that's who he was, not because he felt like it. I want to kind of change the tone just a second because I know this has been so tough and even confronting for some But I also realize that some people already feel like they're serving. You feel like you're a good servant. And that's a crazy thing that if that's your attitude, you will never become a real servant. If you feel like you're doing well in this area, I'm sorry to tell you. You're probably at the bottom of the barrel. Let me tell you why. Because service, genuine, the greatest kind of service comes out when you feel like you can't. When you feel like you just have nothing left. To be a real servant... It means to always strive to serve, to go one more mile, to go the extra mile, to say, God, I got one more in me, to say, Lord, I know I can. Marriage is so tiring, I got to tell you guys, but it's so beautiful. It's so rewarding. How many times have I spoken to husbands who expect that when they get married, or they had expected that when they got married, they would be served, cooked for, clothes neatly washed and folded they obviously had never been married before what they were trying to have is not a wife but a servant and they probably didn't read the scriptures when the bible says those that want to be first shall be last you want to be great you want to be a leader you want authority it comes through service i want to finish in this last five minutes and 12 seconds and simply reminding you of the story of jesus christ on how my king stood down, took a towel and began the feet of his disciples. And that sounds like something you've heard. But I want to remind you that he didn't only wash the feet of his disciples, he washed the feet of the one who was about to betray him. 
I don't know about you, but if it was me, I don't know if I'd be washing his feet. I'd probably be burning his feet or breaking his toes. I don't know what I would do, man, knowing that this man would betray me and still I would become his servant. Jesus Christ served and he served in such a way that the purpose of the Father was fulfilled. He served in such a way that no one around him, no one, absolutely no one was excluded from this beautiful heart of service. Not even those that attacked him. What I want to encourage you to do is this. Ask God to impart in you his servant's heart. To give you a heart of service towards those around you. To do the service that God has called you to do to your family first, then to the rest of the world. See, the Bible says, therefore go and, go and make disciples of all the nations. You know what's something so crazy? In our church, we have a bunch of nations represented. What I want to encourage you is this, to serve everyone. People who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who may not be in your cell group, who may not be in your ministry. People who you may have never talked to. Reach out, ask, is there something I can serve with? Is there something I can help with? CFF, this is the time to help each other. Find out, figure it out. I always hear of people's needs and I try to connect people with people. But then I realize this. One day, when you get to heaven, the Lord will not ask you how many people you led. He will ask you how many people you served. I encourage you to become a servant and a servant of God first. Therefore, a servant of people. One last story and then we will pray. There's this... Incredible violin, violinist, violinist, violin, violinist. Anyway, the, the dude that used to play the violin. His name was Niccolo Paganini. And I actually read a lot about this guy. He was incredible. He was insane. He was like a savant. His violin, uh, his violins became so famous. So he had this one violin that was so incredible. It was like everyone wanted to play the violin. And this is the story written in an article called The Marching Orders by J.K. Lani. The great violinist Niccolo Paganini willed his marvelous violin to city of Genoa on condition that it must never be played. The wood of such an instrument, while used and handled, wears only slightly. But set aside, it begins to decay. Paganini's lovely violin has today become warm, eaten, and useless, except as a relic. A Christian's, a Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. Would you with me pray, God, use me. Lord, I want to be used. See, I have goals in my life. Among those goals is to see greatness on those people that are closest to me. I want to see the men that are close to me not only grow, man, but become the men of God that God called them to be. I know that in order for that to happen, I must serve them. It's an investment into the heavens. It's saying, God, use me so that someone else can exemplify your glory on this earth. God, use my life. Would you pray that prayer and just ask God to help you to be giving with your time, with your resources. 
with your life as Jesus poured himself out. The Bible says he emptied himself. Ask God to make you responsive just as the Holy Spirit responds to your heart. Ask God to give you the ability to give without expecting just as Jesus did. And ask God to give you the right attitude at all times. Ask God to give you the strength to serve till the end. Till my and your very last breath. Would you pray with me and just ask God to help you have a servant's heart. Not only so that we can win this world for him. But so that as we win the world for Christ. People will realize that his character is in his people. That the message is right in line with the messenger. That you and I have the same heart that Jesus had. The world can criticize our theology. The world can criticize our building. The world can criticize our style. What the world can never ever criticize is the true and genuine servant's heart. Let's learn to serve in our jobs, in our families, everywhere we go. Serve as Jesus served. And I promise you, the Lord will exalt you in due time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much because you served us till the end. Because Jesus, you gave everything. And then you gave some more. And you still today continue to give. God, you gave your life. And when you left, you gave us your Holy Spirit. Along with that, you gave us your purpose. You gave us, God, your community. You gave us your anointing, Lord. You gave us life. And you give us eternal life. Dear God, thank you because you serve. Thank you, God, because you continue today to show us that the only true way for greatness is service. I ask you, God, for every man in CFF that will become the best servants. Those servants to our homes and to our disciples and to our wives and to our children. Let the men of CFF, God, be known, be stamped, be marked by heaven with the stamp of service. God, that our 12 and our 144 and 1728 and 20,000 plus will know that we are servants. Before we are leaders, we are servants. Dear God, may we be known by our love and by our service to you, therefore to others. I ask you, God, that you burn away all insecurities. Those insecurities, God, that lead people to have an attitude that is self-serving. Insecurities, God, that make people believe that if they don't help themselves, then no one will. I ask you, God, that you help us, Lord, to be giving, to be extravagant with our love and service. Dear Lord, thank you so much because today you have shown us something about ourselves that perhaps we need to be a little bit better at serving each other. I pray, God, that you break down walls at CFF, that you help us, God, to bridge the gaps that are here, that the blind spots that we have would be revealed and light would shine on them because you, God, you, Lord, you served us all. Rich or men, women, doesn't matter where they were from. It doesn't matter what they sounded like or their status was in society. You served us all. I thank you, Jesus. Because of your heart, today I can be called your son. And many here can also do the same. Sons and daughters, because you served us. Jesus, we love you. We don't only admire you. We don't only like you. We want to be like you. Help us, Lord, to show you in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. CFF, I love you guys so much. We are in this journey. We are halfway through the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. I'm going to invite you to do something this week to really reflect upon the past five. That you start saying, God, show me. 
sometimes we realize or we think that we're doing good, but then we realize that, man, we need to have a lot more work in this. This weekend is Father's Day. And I know that it's easier to say Happy Mother's Day than Happy Father's Day. For some of you, your father's absent. Your father's not there. Your father may have been not a good father. Here's my challenge to some of you, and maybe some of you will take it. And if even one of you takes it, I would be well pleased. Serve the man who stopped serving your family. Maybe serve someone who acted as a father on behalf or who's somebody who stepped up to the plate and just go serve someone. Use resources, use time, go serve someone. Church, be responsive in your chats. Be responsive towards the people around you. Start asking God to give you that, that desire to serve, the pleasure to serve. You will never know how much you like something until you try it. Man, go out and serve. I pray that you'll be blessed. Love you so much. We'll see you guys very soon. Bye.